insatiably curious. She's a natural leader. She's a good organizer. And she's the best darn change maker I ever met in my entire life. That was former President Bill Clinton painting a picture of Hillary Clinton as a tireless advocate for justice and those in need last night during the Democratic National Convention. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and thanks for tuning in. Day two of the Democratic National Convention was last night, and Bill Clinton took center stage to make the case for his wife. Was he persuasive? Did he help people make up their minds? Did he cure this rift in the Democratic Party between those who support Bernie Sanders and those who support Hillary Clinton. We're going to talk about it up front here today. The bulk of Clinton's speech was, of course, a love story. The former president goes into sometimes tedious detail about how he met his future wife and courted her for years until she finally agreed to marry him. Humanizing someone who is hungry to become the most powerful person in the world is not always such an easy task. And this year's nominees bring with them special challenges in that regard. What do you think? Did the former president make you think differently about Hillary? Did he make the case for his wife? Do personal stories about candidates influence your vote? And should they? Now let's talk about what you thought about the Democratic National Convention last night and Bill Clinton's speech. Did you hear what the president said? And was it persuasive? Uh, A a different kind of speech for Bill Clinton, uh, I, I must say. I'm thinking... Now, back to four years ago, when uh, when Bill Clinton got uh, back to uh, got up on stage to to support Barack Obama's re-election and gave what was, I thought, a really really persuasive policy lecture, uh, cultural lecture about uh, the, the the things that Obama had accomplished and why uh, he was a better candidate than Mitt Romney. Last night, of course, was very, very different. Uh, he, no question, feels very differently about Hillary Clinton than he does about Barack Obama, it's, uh, his life partner. And so a much softer, sweeter speech from Bill Clinton, something we have not really seen that much from the former president. So uh, give us a call. Tell us what you thought about what Bill Clinton said and how persuasive you found it. 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. And now joining us from Philadelphia, a reporter producer at WHYY, which is the NPR affiliate in that city, is Jay Scott Smith, who also, we should note, is a Detroit native. Jay, welcome to Detroit Today. Hey now, it's hey. always good to it's always good to be heard back home. <laughs> That's right. There's nothing like that feeling, right? <laughs> you know, your relatives can actually hear you. <laughs> That's right. Uh, <laughs> l- let's talk. Let's talk about how the convention uh, has played so far there in Philly. Talk about Bill Clinton's speech last night, and also, I'm curious from you about the atmosphere around the convention, which we haven't heard nearly as much about this week as I felt like we heard last week in Cleveland around the Republican National Convention, which, of course, uh, there was much more spectacle, is my impression. Uh, but but talk about how that has played in, in Philly this week. Well, the entire week, I mean, as you as one would expect, it's been very hectic out here. And, and Monday probably was the best illustration of it where you had the Bernie Sanders supporters who meet, who pretty much starting Sunday came in and immediately just became this force. And it's kind of been an underlying thing ever since 
the convention started has been this underlying kind of tension and anger. We saw it reflected in the convention hall itself, but also out in the streets. There have been a multitude of protests. Almost every day there's been a massive protest, either from the pro-Bernie groups or from Black Lives Matter. And Monday was kind of compounded because it was very hot. It's been hot out here the last two weeks, to be perfectly honest with you, but it's been very hot out here. It's not to the level of what it was in Cleveland. I would say the difference between what happened here as opposed to what's going on in going on in Cleveland is all the anger was pretty focused inside the building in Cleveland. Sure. Here it's been more focused outside. The protests have gotten bigger and gotten louder and obviously yesterday it got it got angrier when a number of the Bernie delegates got up and walked out after the roll call vote made it official that Hillary got the nomination. They staged a sit in in the media tent and they were very upset. They've been voicing their displeasure with they feel they they feel whether some believe that to be right or wrong. They believe that Bernie was somehow robbed of the nomination. They're angry over the email controversy. Sure. They many of them either will begrudgingly vote for Hillary Clinton or are still refusing to do so. It's the it's the, this tension has been surrounding the building. They've done a very good job keeping the keeping the issues outside of the Wells Fargo Center, but. <laughs> But outside that building, it has been there has been conflict. Nothing ex- exceedingly violent. There've been there haven't been a ton of arrests. It's there are demonstrators there, sure. Yeah, for de- for demonstrators, it's like there's nothing other than people attempting to climb fences. That's the type of thing that'll get you arrested. But aside from that, it's been primarily a lot of angry protesting, but not to the extent of where they're fearing riots or anything like that. Some of the hyperbole that's been thrown up there about 1968. It's it's not. There's nothing getting burned in the street to yeah. that extent. So, yeah. no. I think people who are around in 1968 probably chuckle when they hear people compare what's going on today uh, to back then. Uh, talk about Bill Clinton's speech last night. He takes center stage at the convention, makes the case for his wife in a very personal speech, much more personal speech than I've seen Bill Clinton give before. But, of course, that makes sense because it is his life partner who is seeking the presidency. Uh, did it seem like an effective speech? Did it? Uh, what was the reaction to it there in the convention hall? The the initial reaction to it primarily seemed to be that, as you mentioned, it was different from a lot of what Bill has done before. I think the difference is is that we're so used to seeing Bill be on policy, yes. and it's easy for him to kind of get rolling. He has this great kind of oratory, like storyteller vibe to him. I, I, I jokingly said on, on Twitter that he kind of reminds me of Morgan Freeman in the way he just <laughs> tell this story and, and get your emotions into it. But I could tell initially he had a difficult time. This is very personal. Sure. And this is the first time I've really heard him just glowingly talk about Hillary, even to this extent. And you could tell it took him a second to get rolling. Once he got rolling, it picked up in around not only the convention hall, but even through throughout people watching it in various places. It was it was a pretty powerful speech. It just took him a second to get warmed up because I honestly think he was maybe the most nervous having to really go into that kind of detail about his family. He obviously, obviously he didn't go into some of the more controversial issues and things of that nature, but yeah. it was, it, it was a type of speech where you can imagine a man who's been a, a part of the public eye for more than 30 years to have to come out and do this really for the first time. It was, it, it gripped a lot of people. Yeah. It was, it was not to the level of, of Michelle Obama's speech. I don't think anything's going to touch that. <laughs> right. But it was, for him, it was it was a look into what his family has been about and what has really driven him 
throughout everything that we've known about Bill Clinton since the late yeah, 1980s. Yeah, and I, and I think that uh, one of the things that, that makes it difficult for him, the, the, some of the reaction to the speech this morning is talking about why didn't he sort of get more into the difficulties that we all know that they've had as, as a married couple, which I think is is a sort of strange question to ask. I mean, that's very personal space, much more personal space even than he was in last night. And it, it is, after all, a convention speech. I mean, you're trying to bolster the candidate. You're not trying to talk about uh, uh, their, their drawbacks or drawbacks in their relationships. But because he was in that personal space, I think a lot of people watching perhaps felt like they wanted to hear him talk uh, about those things because he sort of opened that door. And, and I guess that's sort of the danger of giving that kind of uh, speech at a convention. Uh, Jay, I want to, uh, before we let you go, I want to switch the, the subject uh, here. Black Lives Matter uh, and the movement around uh, uh, the, the sort of racial moment uh, here in, in, in America also took center stage last night in a really moving presentation by several mothers of black men and women who have been uh, killed either by the police or uh, in the case of Trayvon Martin by by vigilantes. I want to play uh, a clip of one of those speeches. She invited us to become a part of the solution. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to keep telling our children's stories and we're urging you to say their names. We're going to keep building a future where police officers and communities of color work together in mutual respect to keep children like Jordan safe. The majority of police officers are good people doing a good job. That was Lucy McBath, the mother of Jordan Davis, who was killed at a gas station over loud music. One of several mothers on stage, all African-American, talking about the threat of violence to black people right now in, in America. J. Scott Smith, I, I got the sense watching on television that it was a very moving moment uh, in the convention hall. Uh, talk about what it felt like inside. Uh, the, the, the vibe around that has been... It was it was needed, and we, I, I said I said a few minutes ago there's things that you saw in Cleveland that you're not seeing here. That well, that's something you you didn't see in Cleveland. Yeah, it, it was <laughs> there. There's a commitment to that. And she made the comment, that, and you saw that, the opposite in Cleveland. We should make that, that clear. They had it, a sheriff was, um, uh, from Wisconsin get up there and absolutely eviscerate Black Lives Matter and the whole idea of an African American sheriff. So I mean, they really came at it from another angle. You had, you, I mean, there there was the moment where people were cheering at the the acquittal of the cop of, of Freddie in the Freddie Gray, Freddie Gray case. It's it, 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 at times what we saw in, in Cleveland last week, and I will and I try to be as impartial as I as I can in saying this, but it, some of the things we saw in Cleveland were a disgrace, as opposed to what's going on. What, what's what's going on here this week is has been a different has been a change of a change of tone, and the tone has been that. We are with you, and that's the sense that a lot of people got. It was the it was the rare instance where you didn't hear the the cat calling from the Bernie supporters, and none of the none of the chants. It was it held that entire room down. It was maybe the most powerful moment, and and I know the Republican nominee Donald Trump made the made this weird comment that there's been zero respect shown to police, even though that clip you showed there very played there very clearly shows it. This there this has been the delicate balancing act is that they're trying to 
make it very clear, and maybe people are starting to get it, that when someone says Black Black Lives Matter, it's it's being said as our lives matter too, yeah. as opposed to all of as as our lives matter more. If that's not the case, I'm I'm saying this is someone whose father was a Detroit police officer for more than thirty years. I just did a commentary on that here in Philadelphia not that long ago. It, there's a there's a balancing act there. People are starting to get it, and that bu- they they said that in a building where people got it. I don't think that's something that could have gone over very well, if at all, in the atmosphere we saw in Cleveland. And here in Philadelphia, in that hall, that was one of the more anticipated moments where those mothers getting up and speaking, and it held the entire it held the entire place. People were getting very, very emotional listening to that. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the phones here. Yodit in Detroit. Welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, good morning, Stephen. Hey. Thanks for having me on. Sure. Couple things. One is uh, absolutely the Mothers of the Movement piece was um, powerful and affirming as the mother of a black son to have um, our challenge on a national platform and to have allies in that room really acknowledge and affirm um, the issues that we're up against with um, uh, violence against uh, black and brown sure. uh, men and women. The other thing is to your earlier point about Clinton and his speech. So I thought it was a really kind of slow getting started and it uh, sort of felt a little snoozy. Um, but I think part of that for me was I really did. And I had this kind of healthy debate with a group of women on Facebook about the, the, the void, the obvious elephant in the room of his infidelity. And I did really want him, you know, not to make a big pop in circumstance, but I wanted him to acknowledge you that along with. You wanted to talk about it, really? Yeah, I, want, I did. I, I, at least I, some people implied that, you know, he subtly alluded to it. I wanted him to acknowledge her tenacity, her perseverance, and frankly, her loyalty, because the whole point was to endear her to us, to give us that personal side of her. And I have found over the years that one of the things you know, that I've struggled with with her in terms of likability is the fact that they keep very much a political veneer of a veil, if you will. And I thought when Bill went that personal, that it was a missed opportunity for him to also acknowledge her loyalty um, in, you know, a really trying and frankly, publicly embarrassing moment. Wow. Wow. That's a really really interesting take on on the idea of him trying to incorporate that into the speech. And that's really different from what I've seen other people who wanted him to talk about that uh, say this morning. So uh, thanks very much for uh, for calling and making and making that point. I, I, I think you're right. If he'd done that, it probably would have humanized her in a way that people, I think, uh, sort of still are waiting to see in terms of, you know, that question of how and why Hillary Clinton has stayed with Bill Clinton uh, as long as she has and and how that all works out. Uh, the perseverance is the word that I think you said that, uh, that, that resonates the most with me. Thanks very much for the call. Let's go quickly to Chuck in Franklin. Chuck, welcome to Detroit Today. Uh, hi. There's actually uh, two stories this week that that uh, caught my attention together, uh, obviously the, the uh, Democratic Convention, and also um, the uh, Michigan case about straight-ticket voting. Uh-huh. The, the two stories together leave me as a Republican with such admiration for the ruthless efficiency of Democrats in turning <laughs> out votes, turning out straight-ticket votes, and by using the superdelegate system, making sure that the Democrats' nutball candidate of 2016 
did not get the nomination, unlike our party. <laughs> Chuck, that's a <laughs> Chuck, that's a great call and <laughs> a great comment. Uh, thanks very much for that, uh, Jay Scott, uh, Jay Scott Smith, uh, yes, reporter producer in WHYY. Uh, I want to thank you for being here as well. What's up? Uh, what's up today in in well, Valley? Today it's all it's all things Obama. As the president, vice president are going to be here. We're we're getting ourselves together. I'm I'm heading down to actually talk to the Michigan delegation because we're I'm I'm working on a piece for our, locally out here on the level of diversity that you see. Sure. At the at, at the DNC. Really last. remarkable difference. My I, my twelve year old son watching last night just sua sponte said, boy, there's a lot of black people at this convention, and I didn't see that last week. Well, I mean, it's, it's well, really it's interesting, it's interesting you bring that up. I interviewed a gentleman who was a RNC delegate out here named Calvin Tucker. He was, he was the only black delegate out of the 71 that the state of Pennsylvania sent, and he was one of 18 total wow. that were at the RNC. 18 wow. delegates out of 2,472, which is less than 1%. To put that in perspective, there are 28 transgender delegates at the DNC <laughs> right, right now, right. 28. So 2818, just in terms of transgender. To you black, talk about diversity and diversity. I'm, of I'm people, seeing, yeah. You're seeing hijabs in the crowd. You're seeing black people, white people, Latinos, men, women, uh, LGBT. It's, it, it's remarkable. So that's part of what I'm working on and just getting more of a vibe for it. It's still hot out here. Yeah. It's going it's to be hot. I, yeah. I don't it's I, August or July it's, in it's, Philly. It's, it's mid-July. It is what it is. I don't have any complaints. I'll take this over the winters, which, by the way, out here, they're just like Michigan. <laughs> That's right. It's no better. <laughs> it's, it's, no, it's no difference whatsoever. So one way or the other, one way or the other, we're surviving out here. I, it's just it's cool to get a chance to talk to you and to be able to be heard in my city. Yeah. I, I miss I miss home like crazy. But I come I back and see it. us. <laughs> That's right. Almost, almost definitely. I most certainly will. It's. I mean, I I miss being miss being in Detroit. I. <laughs> I'm sitting here in my Michigan State hat right now. <laughs> All right. Well, I, as a Michigan I, I guy, I, I don't appreciate that. Oh, I, I already, that, I, I already yeah. know. I, I already know. There's, there's ten seconds. Ten we'll seconds see. left on the clock. I yeah, already right. know. But <laughs> I, I already know. I appreciate you guys having yeah. me. You're you're doing awesome work, and it's a, I consider it an honor to talk to you because I followed your work. Oh, all for, you. for all these years. So I really, I, I really do that. appreciate all you guys out yeah. there. And as an alum of WDT, I think this is really cool. Yeah, that's Thank right. You, you, very were, much. you were an intern here. So uh, great. Uh, Jay Scott Smith, reporter, producer at WHYY, NPR Philly, affiliate in Philly. Thanks again for being here. We'll have you back. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Up next, we're going to take a look at the Democrats' education policy proposals with Bridge Magazine's Chastity Pratt Dossie. Stay with us on Detroit Today. Today.